Show number 46 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Now we're really ready. Now we're really ready? Okay. And what show are we at? uh, I believe this is show number 46. Wow. Wow. In in an endless series. Yep. An endless (laughs) series of podcasting. 46. Amazing. Well, this show, we decided we have so much stuff that people have sent us that we've been reading about. It's basically going to be um, an all-email, all-news, all-fun stuff we found on the web show. And so the whole first segment is all about you, you, listeners. Our wonderful listeners who we love so very, very much. And who send us so many wonderful things. And at the end, there's going to be special homework. Yeah, there is special homework. I, I just remembered that, um, you know, it is a new month. It's July. So if you have nothing better to do, why not go over <laughs> to Podcast Alley and vote for us? Because we could use some votes. Yeah, we can always use votes. We can always use votes. So it, it will take you just a second. You do have to give them your email address, but, you know, give them one of your sock puppet email addresses or something. That's right. But yeah, go vote for us. Have us be higher in the ranks than we already are. Yeah. That'd be cool. Okay. So you have the list? I have the list. Okay, what's first on the list? An email from Greg. Oh, yes. We just thought this was so Do you very want me to make amazing. it sound like we're ripping open paper? <laughs> um, this was a comment from our man in New Zealand, Gregory Gray, and he has a very short, pithy, but very accurate comment, I thought, about watching Taste of Armageddon. And he says, It was good, but I can't believe Kirk didn't get the woman at the end. He saved her from suicide, sticks her in a room with yeoman exposition, and that's the <laughs> last we see of her. Very strange indeed. It was almost as if Kirk getting the woman wasn't the main plot of the episode. <laughs> What's up with that? What? What? I, I have no idea. <laughs> so clearly, as you said to me in an email, um, the writers were drunk or something. That's something. That that was not the main focus and that there was no resolution to him. Or, <gasps> you know, okay, it's like the episode of Dick Van Dyke. Where Rob lost the script in the subway, <laughs> and when they got it back, that page had been torn out, uh-huh. and so they they couldn't film it. They couldn't film it. It's Although, my God, Bill could totally, totally improvise a a Bill gets the girl scene, right? He, he knew it was going to happen. <sighs> so anyway, very, very amusing. Yes, we were so pleased by that. That's the kind of comment that we want from our listeners. That's right to yeah. to show that you understand. You get the point at least of what Star Trek is all yeah. about. Yeah. All right, next on the list. From Milachka. This was a great email, and it's a bit long, but it's so funny, I really want to read the whole it's thing. It's a fantastic email. And Milachka's been sending us a lot of good stuff, yeah. but this is the one we really want to share today. So, um, this email was entitled, Smutty Trek Comics, Why There Aren't Any Right Now. And it goes like this. Okay, now I've listened to the episodes of Look at His Butt where you talk about the possibility of smutty Trek comics. As a fan artist, I think I can address some of the issues you brought up. And then all in caps, why there haven't been smutty Trek comics up to this point in the glorious history of Trek fandom. (laughs) Reason one, and this is a closely guarded secret, most fan artists suck. (laughs) Oh, you've already figured this out? My God, the rumors are true. You are a crack team of super sexy girl geniuses. (laughs) Reason number two, verisimilitude. And this is the reason for the sucking. (laughs) Versimilitude is the be-all and end-all for Trek art. Unlike other fields of artistic endeavor, in order to be good Trek art, it must be as exactly faithful to the appearance of the actors as is possible. A fan artist's depiction of Captain Kirk may accurately be his or her own 
his or her own idiosyncratic conception of triumphant capitalism in the 23rd century, but if it doesn't look like Bill Shatner circa 1968, then it ain't shit. (laughs) This demand for verisimilitude calls for a high degree of technical skill, which would tax the ability and patience of even the most successful commercial artists, let alone we amateur futz fingers. As a result, fan artists, even the good ones, tend to stick very closely to their treasured store of photo references. Doing a Trek comic book, particularly a smutty one, would call for so many references, many of which wouldn't exist in a satisfactory form, big mama clips aside, (laughs) and take so much work to do, even do badly, that it just hasn't been feasible. And reason three, the U.S. mail. And, of course, this is like a Python sketch. This is great. And, of course, like Slash authors, fan artists who draw naked pics back in the snail mail era had to worry that they were going to be busted for purveying porn. Um, and then it goes into a discussion of why programs like Poser. Now, Poser is a, a an application for your computer that can render things in 3D. And as an artist, you can create these beautiful things. And I'm going to post the one that she did on the blog because okay. it's so good. Um, why programs like Poser and its ilk will bring sunshine, happiness, and make everyone's birthday make it everyone's birthday every day or not? <laughs> Just as the infranet has made the fear of being publicly declared a pervert by your mailman recede to manageable levels, 3D graphics programs will eventually, but not quite yet, make the verisimilitude problem go away for fan artists. Once you have created a computer model who looks pleasingly like Bill Shatner circa 1968, you can use him as many times in as many ways as you please, and he will still look pleasingly like Bill Shatner circa 1968, be he pictured saving the universe or having carnal knowledge of a space donkey. (laughs) You know, thinking of all the, the Gumby sex in fan fiction and knowing how that could be transferred to... 3D yeah, imaging. Yeah. Pretty frightening. It is pretty frightening. Please go on. Um, complex picked... I love the space donkey. Because we were just talking about... <laughs> space sp- crayons. Space crayons at dinner and space blackboards. Um, sp- uh, complex pictures involving multiple characters take hours to complete on the computer instead of carpal tunnel syndrome inducing days or weeks. Therefore, when the technology gets a little better, producing a Trek comic book graphic novel, Smutty or Plain will soon be within the reach of every aspiring fangirl or boy. May the Lord have mercy on us and the space donkeys. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a great email. That was an essay. That was fantastic. And um, I'm so glad you're going to post the the drawing she sent us. But I want to talk about a couple of these things. Yes. Okay. The one about it has to look like Kirk and Mm -hmm. Spock. Um, It has been my experience to to be in a room where there was tons of chaos fan art Mm -hmm. and and i've you know i have a few zines we've seen the stuff on the net and Uh she she is so right that so much of it sucks sucks. there is one really good fan artist who gets the faces right like almost a hundred percent of the time Uh from what i've seen and i've seen a lot of her stuff and her name is shelly and i can't think of her last name Mm -hmm. for anything at all and she's done some stuff that actually is is beautiful the one thing that she does, which, okay, it's nice, but it's it's not true to, to life, is she gives them very buff bodies, like, you know, six-pack abs uh-huh. and, and, you know, rippling muscles and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, every other one I've seen, it's kind of like, okay, if the one didn't have dark hair and pointy ears, <laughs> we would, wouldn't know. You would be hard-pressed to tell that it was them. No, I, t- I totally agree with that. Um, and... The fan art for me, when I've seen it, because I've seen it at cons as well, seems to be divided into the ones that were pretty much traced, 
from <laughs> photographs yes. and just different clothes put on them or the ones that were done sort of impressionistically and that don't look like them at all. Um, I guess there's a third category of ones that really, really, really suck that don't look like anything that look like the way you and I drew them yeah. when we were trying to do our purpose. And there's a pers- person seriously doing chibis or chibis. I know. They're And terrible. that looks like the oh. stuff uh, you and I drew. Yeah. Really- also about the U.S. mail. Mm-hmm. It's not just the U.S. mail. Because you and I, you know, know people who've been mm-hmm. in fandom a long, long, long time. And there was a lot of trouble getting zines into um, Britain. Yeah. Because they're, they're really strict. And this was pornography coming into the country. Yeah. And a lot of zines were seized by customs. And Canada now is really hard. Really? really? really hard. I've heard a lot of stories about... Um, in fact, I've on one of the um, writing erotica lists that I'm on, people who live in Canada have complained that they can't even get copies of books that they have written sent from the United <gasps> States to them. Wow. Unless it's disguised or something like that. Right. You know? But yeah, going stuff going to Canada, really, really hard right now, which kind of sucks. Wow. I mean, you would think they're pretty liberal up there, but not about that. I guess. Well, they don't want the American porn. They want the, the good Canadian <laughs> Homegrown porn. Canadian porn. But, That's right. But not American a. porn. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that all of the... Um, Things, the points that she made are, are really good, and I think I completely agree that once these kind of 3D modeling things get better mm-hmm. and people can create really good-looking stuff, the gates are going to be wide open for all kinds of new media being created. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about. I think it was email from Malachka. About Smutty Trek comics? No, but it was from Malachka. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. If I'm miscrediting, I'm sorry. About um, ep- how to watch episodes that I can't watch alone because they're too awful. Uh-huh. And the suggestions were drinking, mm-hmm. which is a great suggestion. And I said, but this would be rather hard to do on the elliptical. And she suggested to me that I should get a beer hat. That would work. Which would make me really unique at the gym. I think so. A woman laughing and sipping on a beer hat <laughs> as she's pumping away on the elliptical, the elliptical. for the 50 minutes and 15 seconds it takes <laughs> To watch a Star Trek episode. Is that it exactly? That's pretty much it. Although I've managed to cut it down to about 49 minutes by fast-forwarding through the these or the voyages. <laughs> oh, you don't listen to the whole thing every single time? No, I sure oh, don't. Jesus. I know. I'm a, I'm a bad fan. Slacker. I'm slacker. A, I'm a slacker. Okay. That was great. That was great. Awesome. Another email responding to something we talked about came from Mr. D.A., when we were talking about who else could play Kirk, you oh, know, yes, the rumors yes. with Matt Damon, blah, blah, blah. And he said, maybe I watch too much TV. I'm sure I do when you add in DVDs. But I don't see a real problem with finding a hero type as opposed to an anti-hero to play an updated Kirk in a continuation series. And then he lists mm-hmm. his suggestions. Tom Welling from Smallville. Adam Baldwin from Firefly, Angel, X-Files, and others. Hell, speaking of Angel, <laughs> David... Borinaz, if that's how you say it, from Buffy, Angel, and Bones. Ben Bowder from Farscape and Stargate, SG-1. Despite the smart-ass persona in both shows, he is still playing a hero in the tradition of the World War II movies. Wait, wait, I've got it. The perfect actor to continue the mission as Kirk. Will Wheaton. He's the right age, he's got the acting chops, and he certainly has the experience. Damn, let's float that rumor and see what happens. So, DA, consider it floated. Yeah, it's out there. So, I wanted to respond to a couple things on sure, that list. Sure, because I think you know who some of these people I are, know and who I some don't. Of these people are. Um, Tom Welling from Smallville. I think I agree with that, although um, Welling has 
I don't want to say him as an actor, but in that role, there's quite a lot of angst, like a little too much angst for my taste. Although I think he does measure up in the sort of clean-cut American guy thing. And um, he does have a very positive outlook. But on Smallville, you know, they've done a lot of backstory stuff where weird shit happens. And it it just gets a little too dark and angsty for my taste sometimes. But I I think that's a good suggestion. Okay. Um, I can't speak to Adam Baldwin or or the other guy. Now, I did used to watch Farscape and I liked that show. But I felt like Ben Bowder, again, was a cranky guy. You know, he he was perpetually not wanting to do the things that he was being told to do by other people and making all these snarky, smart-ass remarks all the time. He wasn't always in command of the ship because there were other aliens that, that he was involved with. I, I agree that he was heroic when he needed to be, but he wasn't, he wasn't a Kirk type. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't a Kirk type. Not to say that that actor couldn't play it. But in the role that he was cast, he was very good at being this cranky, snarky guy. But mm-hmm. I remember even then watching it going, he's one of those cranky guys. <laughs> you know what I would be very interested to see, but there won't even be one, is um, once they've actually got a script, they send around um, character descriptions to casting agents mm-hmm. telling you what, what types they want. And it's not just blonde or redheaded or whatever you know it, mm-hmm. it's character descriptions now because they're looking for names there will not be one describing what they want in kirk but that would certainly that would be, be interesting. interesting yeah they, I, it would be fun to go back to the original description of kirk to see if they would use something similar because i have seen some of that and it's yeah. the stuff about you know he he he's far away from command and so he has to make decisions on his own and take that responsibility um, I want to float an idea, another rumor. Yeah. And, if, folks, I'm going to tell you right off, I could be way off on this because, you know, it's a few years since I saw the movie. But if they're doing a continuation, like the second five-year mm-hmm. mission, we're not talking Academy. <laughs> I'm wondering about Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Because um, the movie I'm thinking of is, I believe the name of it, I might get the number wrong, but I think it's U571. Mm-hmm. And if he put on a few pounds so he didn't look so skeletal, because really, when he's got his, his skipper's cap on, so you see no hair or anything, mm-hmm. it looks like a death's head. But I remember when I watched it, thinking how trekkish this submarine movie was, with the, the tension and the relationship with the crew, and working with the engineer to solve this problem, mm-hmm. and coming up with the, the ingenious solution and everything. I was going, that is so Kirkish, and he's so good, and that is a very tense movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it a lot. So that's that's my little idea. Maybe that's he's he's one. down on the list when they can't get um, uh, Damon. Damon. That would be interesting. Um, just to address the Will Wheaton thing for a minute. <laughs> yeah, That's a very interesting suggestion. Um, Will's too old now to play the Academy Kirk. But yes. he could definitely try, make a good attempt at the, the second five-year mission because he's about that old now. He's in his mid-30s. So Will Wheaton plays William fucking Shatner? Yeah. James fucking Kirk? James fucking Kirk. I don't know. Does he have charm and hotness? He, he can be pretty hot. I don't know. Really? He can be pretty hot, yeah. Okay. I don't know about the charm. I, I don't know if he has the the sort of um, uh, vitality of life. Mm. You know, he's a little more laid back. Yep. Which I think is essential for this so role. So basically you're saying he doesn't bound out of bed he in the morning. He doesn't bound out of bed in the morning. No, Bill, Bill bounds out of bed. And Bill, so does Kirk. Yes. We know that. Yes. We absolutely, unless, as you've pointed out, 
there's a woman laying in bed next to him. And and first he has to bang he her. He has to bang her, and then he bounds out of bed. Then he bounds. Yeah. After an appropriate amount of, like, snuggling, so she doesn't <laughs> feel like she's being abandoned. He's got it all down. And he says, I'll be right back with some orange juice. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that's Bill, and that's Kirk. Okay. Next on our list, a number of people pointed us to where we could get the Belushi sketch. Oh, yes, of course. The final voyage or last voyage of the Starship Enterprise. So we got that. We looked at it. We loved it. It remained hilarious. And um, it's a very, very funny sketch, and it's very well done. Good attention to detail. And and talking about detail, when I was watching it, it's been several years since I've seen that, I went, damn, damn. Belushi has Shatner's season three hair. It's amazing. They did such a good it's job. It's totally, totally amazing. And speaking of hair, I believe Chevy Chase is wearing Chekhov's wig <laughs> when he's playing Mr. Spock. Because you know it was back there in NBC somewhere <laughs> on a shelf. They said, oh, that's the one. And they just took it off. Put the it shelf. on him. But I, I was watching it again. I was so struck by when Belushi comes onto the bridge. He is so Kirk. Yes. Just his whole body language, the way he's looking around, the way he's in command. Oh, it's so good. It, it's wonderful. And um, I got a huge kick out of Dan Aykroyd. First of all, doing the voice of Scotty <laughs> off stage, And 30 seconds later, he comes on stage as Bones. Oh, Jim, I don't, I don't know. We're wrong, you know. <laughs> it was great. I also loved the way that they, they were playing with the, the whole Star Trek thing when... when um, Elliot Gould comes on as the NBC executive, and they try to shoot him with the phasers, and Kirk says, set to stun, and it doesn't work. And then he says something else, and he goes, set to kill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great. And the whole thing about Captain, you can't just kill them. I take the responsibility. <laughs> you know, oh, it, it, was, it was wonderful. I'm so glad to have that now. It was great. It's a classic. And also, I was noticing, and anybody else who has access to it. I would love to get your input on this. The woman playing Uhura, mm-hmm. I swear, I know she wasn't one of the regulars, but I've seen her in other things. I think she went on to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you know who that was, that would be yeah. fun to know. So that's available on the um, DVD in the Best of Saturday Night Live series, the one that specifically focuses on Belushi. And if you check the show notes, there might be a link to, say, a clip, maybe, that you yeah, could watch. Maybe. 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 I don't know where it came from. I have no idea. No idea. But you might want to check that out. You know, the clip fairy leaves things under our pillow. It's That's very right. nice. That's right. And now, speaking of homework, because we just gave you homework yes. to tell us who that woman is, here's some very special homework for very you all. Very special homework. We want to review an episode of Hidden Frontier, which I don't even know if we've mentioned it before. We haven't mentioned it. And, and the, the person who told me about it was actually my geek buddy, Logan. Okay. He's, we were at work, and he said, do you know about this? And I said... I've never seen this before. So it was right. like a new thing. And it got mentioned in the New York Times a few mm-hmm. weeks ago when they were talking about fan films. It is a fan series. series, um, And it is not uh, about Kirk and Spock, so that makes it different from New, new Voyages. But it is another starship. I believe it's set in the TNG era or sometime so. late in that. The costumes TNG. And... Uh, they they have gay characters, and the, the information I was getting was it focuses on this gay triangle, and I was like, fantastic. We have to see this. We have to review it. We've got a special guest who's going to help us review mm-hmm. it. And so I went to their website, and they've got six seasons of episodes. And I went, okay, I, I don't have time to, to look at 30-plus hours of this to find the gayest episode mm-hmm. so that we can really get 
you know, our good reviewing time in. So, if you people are watching Hidden Frontier mm-hmm. or just feel like scoring some big brownie points with us, go watch it and tell us which is the gayest episode. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean the one that really focuses on these gay characters, on what it's like to be gay in the 24th century, mm-hmm. on their role in Starfleet. We would love to review that because, you know, we've done so much with Slash and, mm-hmm. and everything else that, um, but we could use a little help. We could use some help. So, you know, kudos to them for getting out as many episodes as they have. They must and have been doing this for years. It's amazing. And I can't believe that we never heard of it before. I mean, it's we're a pre- hidden frontier. I know, but you know, we're pretty clued into the whole trek and fan films and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm very surprised that we never heard of it or, or just never ran across it in browsing or on news groups or anything. Yeah. I'm surprised at, at that. Interesting. Yes. So I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be fun. I know. So so let us know. Um, people who are watching that or want to go watch all of them, tell us. Which is the one you would like to hear the butt girls and their special guests. That's right. Our special butt guy. Our special butt guy. Um, review. Yes. Cool. So um, I think that, that covers our... Wow. From our fan segment. That was action-packed. That was action-packed. Lots of stuff going Lots on. Lots of stuff. Okay. Let's take a little musical break. And then we're going to come back, and we have even more stuff to talk about. Yeah. Believe it or not. And it actually has a theme. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. The only thing we like better than William Shatner's butt is hearing from our listeners. Comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. sound of our new product that we want to tell you all about. It is the Beer Slushy That's right. TM. We're, we're going to be opening a Beer Slushy stand down on the boardwalk in summertime. Well, it's summertime. Well, yeah. So let's get to work. We're going to get to work. We're going to, um, oh. we're going to oh, muscle. It's, it's, look, it's slushing. It's oh, slushing now. good. Um, we're going to muscle in on the territory of those little lemonade bastards mm-hmm. and uh, take it over and make Beer Slushies. Beer Slushies are when you put a good beer in the freezer until it starts to partially freeze. And i got to tell you, icy, icy, partially frozen beer is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is the new Jello shots. <laughs> Especially on a hot day like today. Mm-hmm. So, beer slushies ahoy. That's what we're drinking. <laughs> beer slushies ahoy. Space beer. Space beer. What would That's Captain what Kirk is. drink? <laughs> 
Space beer. Space beer. I think so. And this segues us... We're doing us it for a reason. <laughs> ...right into our next topic, because mm-hmm. one of the things writers do is drink. Right? I thought you were going to say, one of the things writers do is write stories. <laughs> no, they drink. It's true. And so we're drinking because we want to talk about yeah, writing. Yeah, we want to talk about ourselves and give ourselves some props, some some mad props. So we we both, um, this is so neat that this happens sort of yeah. simultaneously almost. As you know, Lane and I have both written fanfic, but we have both written Non-fanfic, mm-hmm. real fic, I guess you would call it. <laughs> real smut fic. Real smut. Um, and I have just sold my first story. Yay. It is going to be appearing on the web at a website called Clean Sheets. Mm-hmm. Very classy, good smut website. I'm really excited about this. We will post the link to it when my story goes up, which should be... Very shortly, and I'm just over the moon over the whole thing. And the reason I know it's such a classy website is because my good friend Lena also <laughs> has a story there. It's true, and I'm trying to remember when that was. It was about a year ago. That I that think it was story. longer than that because I went and looked at it in their archives, uh-huh. and it might be longer than a year. Okay. Was that your first sale? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So Clean sheets cool. is a good place to start because. You've gone on to oh. <laughs> greater energy. She's looking at me like, what? what? Why? Why is it so good? It's a good place. So I, I did that one, and I had another story published in another online uh, publication called Tit Elation, <laughs> which is very good. And then the big thing is that um, I have a story in a book, an actual paper book that's being published, and it's coming out um, in a couple of weeks, I think, like July 28th. Mm-hmm. And the title of the book is Dying For It, Tales of Sex and Death. The editor is a woman named Mitzi Zoretto, who's edited quite a number of smut books. And um, this looks like it's going to be really good. I haven't read any of the other stories that are in there, because uh, obviously she's the only one who's seen them. But I know who some of the authors are, and they're really good authors. So this is really high-quality smut. And I'm, I'm really fond of the story that made it in there, um, which is called Nona Take Five. Oh, I like that one. That's I've a good read story. it, and it is. It's a very good story. And it's about sex, and it's about death, and it's about a bunch of other stuff, too. So um, we are just so happy that we're both published. Yes. Like this. It's great. It's totally wonderful. Let's give ourselves another clink. So check the blog, and there will be a link up when um, JK Story is published. And I'm going to put a link into the um, Amazon bookstore for um, the Dying For It book, because you can pre-order it right now. And then, of course, it will be available forever after. And um, also, just so you know... um, Lena publishes under her name, Lena Taylor, Mm -hmm. but I use a different name, an entirely different sock puppet. (laughs) So you want to be on the lookout for wonderful things from Zoe Kittredge. Mm -hmm. It has the kitty part in it. Yeah, with Kit. With Kit. Yeah. So um, now from the sublime to the pretty ridiculous (laughs) and then on to the utterly ridiculous, we got such a fabulous entry in our blog from Cap and Ho. This is like one of my all-time favorite, favorite things. It's actually from Spompus. <gasps> Spompus, I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. Now he'll never send us anything this wonderful I again. Know. Okay, why don't you go ahead and share this? Okay, from Spompus, it say, Hi, once again, ladies of Look at His Butt. This past weekend, I was at the Belmont Racetrack in Queens, New York. While one would not normally think of this as a hotbed for unique and creative fanfic, (laughs) it indeed is. 
a great email. And what better place to inscribe one's musings than the walls of the men's bathroom? <laughs> Just by dumb chance, I happened to walk right into the stall with the writing, realized that the story must have more to it, and thus checked several other stalls. The three acts in total to there are three acts in total to the piece. The theme is a familiar one of Spock's emotions coming to the surface. Enjoy. So what he did, I'm assuming he took these pictures with his camera phone. Thank God. And emailed us the pictures so you can see what it looks like. And it's like this bathroom wall that's all kind of grungy and <laughs> and and you can see the industrial paint. Yes, the Spock. Speckling and, speckling and everything like else. So this is image number one, and what it says is, help me, Spock. With an exclamation point. <laughs> With an exclamation point after it. And then, like, if you're scrolling around looking at it, there's the typical bathroom stuff where it says, like, shit and dick underneath it. But I don't think that's part of the story. But you never know. You never know. It could be part of the story. So that was image number one. Image number two, it gets better. Here the plot thickens. It says, Spock. You Vulcan demigod! Exclamation, <laughs> Exclamation point. point! And then under that is written, "Fuck you, Kirk. Get bones." <laughs> or it could be, "Fuck you, Kirk. Kirk. Get bones." There's no punctuation, but it is on three separate lines. It "Fuck you, Kirk. Get, get bones. bones." And then the last one. It's very hard to read, but um, Spomp is translated for us, and it says, "Captain Kirk is a saint." Absolutely. Do you need more for a fanfic story than that? Help me, Spock. Shit, dick. <laughs> Fuck you, Kirk. Get bones. Captain Kirk is a saint. saint. That's it. You know what? Maybe we should count the syllables, but that could be a haiku. <laughs> it's definitely poetry. A bathroom haiku. So the best thing about this <laughs> is that we realized... Bill has now conquered another arena. <laughs> another medium. Bathroom fanfic. <laughs> who else Who else can say that they have conquered bathroom fanfic? Well, Leonard. <laughs> I guess. And uh, But it doesn't end with Captain Kirk as a saint. Right. And the thing is, you know what? I don't think Leonard's keeping track. <laughs> but I think Bill sits down every morning beside his indoor fountain with his <laughs> Emmys being splashed. And looks at his list of the media he has conquered. Uh-huh. And thanks to us, you know, he knows about this. Thanks to us, he has conquered ice cream cake. <laughs> it, it, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He is absolutely It's everywhere. wonderful. It is Thank so you so wonderful. much for that, Spompus, because i got to tell you, when I first saw those images, I almost fell out of my chair laughing. That, ugh. They're so good. Thank God you had a camera phone with you, or whatever whatever you use to record yeah. that. We're assuming camera phone. I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna post those pictures so that people can see them. Mm-hmm. Actually, oh yeah, appear. you have to They're see really the good. full effect. We love that. Oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> Captain Kirk is a saint. That's right. And you know what? I'm gonna start writing that on every bathroom wall. <laughs> Captain Kirk is a saint. Yeah. Well, you know, years ago, there was a restaurant in New York. I believe it's still there, but um. I don't think they, they have kept up the bathroom wall tradition the way they should have. That w- just always had incredible graffiti. And they painted the wall once a month. So you always had a fresh slate. And I went in the bathroom once and came out laughing so hard. I was trying to, you know, sneak my husband into the ladies' room to see this. Because this was this this angsty, emotional outpouring that, that started out with... Um, a woman writing something about 
two months ago I gave birth to my beautiful daughter, but now I'm worried that I'll I'll never be a good mother and won't be good for her. And it, you know, it went on, and then an, an, the next entry <laughs> said something like, "Stop your whining, bitch." <laughs> And then the one after that was great. This was, you know, like the um, Dr. Phil of Uh the ladies' bathroom said, if the only way this woman can pour out her problems is on a bathroom wall, we should respect that and sympathize with her. And then the final entry was, I hope my grandmother gets her eyesight back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Isn't it? Maybe that last So maybe per- that was like a prayer wall and I totally missed it. It could have been or that last person was maybe on acid or something. Um, maybe everybody who wrote there was on acid. It could be. When I was at Berkeley, um, the stalls in the ladies' room upstairs near where the lab was where I did most of my work were constantly being filled with like advice columns with people asking for <laughs> advice and then people responding to it. And oh, how funny. Getting painted over. It was amazing to go in there. But I remember um, there was some religious nut who used to write the Jesus saves things and people would always be adding to it, you know, Jesus saves big at Kmart, which I always thought was really, really funny. Um, someone I know would always add to it. It was a little song that was adapted, I think, from a bank commercial, <laughs> which was, Jesus saves so many ways, sunshine, rainshine, <laughs> rainy days, Jesus saves. <laughs> but my favorite one I ever, ever heard about, and I didn't personally uh-huh. see this, but was um, save Soviet Jewry, uh-huh. win valuable prizes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Isn't it? That's very funny. Oh, bathroom graffiti. Yeah. I knew somebody who, who wrote a paper about bathroom graffiti. Somebody in the linguistics department. What, send him this Kirk Spock I thing. should. That would be funny. I'm sure they'll be moved to write a sequel. <sighs> so now we have the now, really, really oh ridiculous this is writing. This great. This is so good. Um, Lane is going to read this out loud. I'm going I'm to try to read it out loud. This is a story that I found while searching for something else. Yeah, I was going to ask <laughs> Which is, you to, to give a little history of this. I was searching for something else, and this was posted at fanfiction.net. Oh, how we love fanfiction.net. And it is called Spock's Hot Date. So how could I not read this and, and want to share it? So I'm going to turn this over to Lena. Okay, now I'm going to read this. A um, couple things that you need to know. Um, This story basically has no punctuation. There are no periods at the ends of sentences. There are no question marks. And um, I I can't really convey that while I'm reading it. So I'm just, you have to imagine as as you see the words in your mind's eye that there is no punctuation. Um, Also, it appears to have been written by a British person. So there are lots of um, Britishisms in it. And I hope that I get them right, that I'm saying them with the correct emphasis, um, being the ugly American that I am. So um, this is called Spock's Hot Date. And the summary line says, Captain Kirk and Spock had a hot date. Now, that's intriguing for several reasons, because maybe it's with each other or maybe it's with somebody else. We don't really know. Right, we don't know. We definitely want to read more. Okay. So that's a good summary. It's a good summary. Sucked us right in. Yeah. Captain James T. Kirk swung his command chair round towards Spock's control post and asked, What time is it, Spock? (laughs) 13.26.45.2, Captain, replied Spock. That's what time it is. Wait, we got to stop right now. The whole what time is it, Spock? Question reminds me of that scene in action 
the, the TV show uh-huh, action uh-huh. where the actor is asked right, what time what is it time and is he refuses it? to give the next line because his character would never tell you what time it was. Right, and they have to call the writer in yeah. to have a quick confab and finally the answer he comes up with is, it's time. It's time. time. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Kirk smiled and said, um, about one thirty p.m. Well, actually, it's 13.26.45.11 now, Captain. Oh, okay, Spock, so what time shall we tell the girls that we will be round tonight? Well, according to my calculations, taking into account having a shower and all that, <laughs> I estimate at precisely 23, now it's colons instead of periods, 23.11.034, Captain. Um, did you include the time needed to buy some flowers and pop into the chemists, replied Kirk with a smile on his face. Let me stop here and say, I think pop into the chemist is code for buy condoms. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, flowers, Captain? I thought, yes. Space condoms. Space condoms, sorry. Flowers, Captain? I thought we were going round for a meal, so I only included the extra time needed to prepare a bottle of quick brewing homemade wine. (laughs) From a Vulcan. It's like Kool-Aid. You pour it in. Um, Kirk shook his head and said, well, I always bring flowers. It helps to get them into the mood, so add that to your calculations, Spock. But, Captain, you cannot get emotionally involved. By the time we have eaten and washed the dishes, it won't leave us much time to save the ship from being destroyed by some nasty aliens. There just isn't enough time for any hanky-panky. Can you imagine Spock saying hanky-panky? Okay, can you imagine Spock saying, and all that? (laughs) Listen, And also... It, yeah. It's so cute that his assumption is that Kirk has to get emotionally involved in order to get it up. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Listen, Spock, if anyone needs to be saved from a nasty alien, it's you. I saw them first, so I am having first choice. I don't understand. <laughs> Spock raised his eyebrow even more than usual. Then he tapped a few buttons and looked down into his monitor. After a few seconds, he raised his head, turned toward Kirk, and said, Oh, don't worry, Captain. I have just tapped into the computer, and the data shows that even with Hanky Panky, you will be ready on time. A few minutes here or there won't make any difference. So he can get a Hanky Panky reading off that thing he's always staring the into? The blue thing. That's what no it's for. No wonder he's always what it's for. cuddled up to it. Kirk. Now, here's punctuation. Kirk, comma, thumped his fist hard on the armrest. I'll kill that, Bones. I told him to erase that data from my medical records. Oh, it's not Dr. McCoy's fault, Captain. I tapped into your last date's personal dairy. (laughs) It says dairy. And under the performance category, she has you down as no foreplay and very fast. Then I tapped into your personal log. Okay, so we know this is fiction. Yeah, because no way. So we, now we have Captain's Log, Stardate 13.13.13.19. Due to an unfortunate premature event, which I must remember to see Bones about, I just managed to get back to the bridge in time to avoid a major alien invasion of the Earth. Two and two makes four, hey, Captain, said Spock. I don't get that joke. <laughs> no, but I love him saying, hey, hey Captain. Captain. It must be a song. Uh, okay, Spock, you win. Keep this thing to yourself, and I'll let you have the blue-haired one. Ooh. In that case, she Captain, can I suggest changing route so that when the Earth sends its SOS message, we can avoid being the closest ship in that area? <laughs> so they, they have um, precognition. They know what's yeah. going to happen. Okay. Well, you know what? I think they know that every time they're about to have a good time, they get an SOS from okay. Earth. Okay. All right. You know what i do? i put Earth on my kill file. <laughs> Fuck them. Block the IMs. Just yeah. block them. Um, where are we? Spock then carefully recalculated the estimated time of arrival and departure, this time taking into account the fact that he was with the blue-haired one. <laughs> Captain.
Captain. <laughs> That's actually funny. A little credit there. Captain, according to my new calculations, we should arrive at their place just before midnight-ish and leave some time the next morning-ish. Ish is in caps for some reason. And that is so Spock. It is. Kirk, comma, couldn't believe his ears. This was the first time that Spock had given a vague answer in his life. What was going on? Who is this blue-haired girl? Is the effect she is having on his first officer dangerous, or is it just a Vulcan hormonal thing? Kirk quickly left the room and went to see if Dr. McCoy could help. Hello, Jim. You look a bit worried. Is it because of that date? I have some pills that can help if you want. No, no, Bones. I am worried about Mr. Spock. He is not acting himself. I am afraid that the next time we encounter a hostile alien ship, his calculations may cause the destruction of the Enterprise. Maybe it's Peep Spock. Oh. Peach scented. <laughs> now, Jim, calm down. I know this date has been on your mind, but as I said, these new pills work wonders. I am serious, Bones. I am really worried about Spock. It's that girl's fault, you know, the cute blue-haired one. Why doesn't he know her name? Because, okay, wait, that's canon. Kirk doesn't know names. Remember Smith and Jones and all those people? she has blue hair. Okay. Oh, yes, I visited her the other day. A very interesting subject. Apparently her ancestors were Vulcans, but various mixed marriages have eroded all of the Vulcan physical characteristics. The scanner showed that she has the genes of at least seven different no, no species and a couple of unknown ones, which I am still working on. There's no punctuation in there. So you think Spock's interest may be of a scientific nature? Well, not exactly, Jim. I believe that the Vulcan genes in her, mixed with a cocktail of more other more emotional and exotic genes, are causing a certain reaction in Mr. Spock. Think of it as sort of 40-something teenage love syndrome. Add to that a great body and long blue hair and, hey, he's only half human, you know? Two exclamation points. <laughs> Thank you points. for that medical diagnosis. That was weird. Thanks, Hey, Bones. Captain. Yeah, I feel better now. Well, I suppose I better be getting ready on our double date. Bye! <laughs> Oh, Jim, before you go, I visited her friend as well. We can't go into details, medical oath, etc. Nothing serious. But be careful tonight. McCoy looked at the packet of pills he had in his hand, turned round, placed them on the counter, opened a drawer, pulled out a new packet of pills, placed them into Kirk's hand, and said, Here, Jim, take a few of these on a full stomach and forget I said anything. <laughs> take a few. That, that's a dosage. So suddenly McCoy is like a KGB agent or something. <laughs> Take these pills. I didn't say anything. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> I know nothing. Kirk left the room, head down, looking a little dazed, his eyes staring at the packet of purple and green pills in his hand. Ooh, it's ecstasy. <laughs> Back on the bridge, Spock was humming a Beatles song. Well, of course. Yesterday. The elevator doors opened and Kirk walked out, looked at Spock and shook his head. Spock stopped humming and said, Captain, I have just been doing some musical research in the ship's database and have come to the conclusions that the Beatles' early hits could go well with the desert. I think it's supposed to be dessert. <laughs> no, now, you know, whenever I've been in the desert, I really wished for some early Beatles hits. Mm, it's true. I think Spock's onto something. I prefer something more modern, like the Tribbles. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, I think... I though I think it's supposed to be thought that we were going to the hologram complex after dinner. I hear that the new Clark Gable simulation software has won seven virtual Oscars. Okay, let's just stop for a second there. The Clark Gable simulation software. No, let's back up even further. <laughs> There's a multiplex, either inside or else floating outside the Enterprise. And where did they get hologram stuff from anyway? I didn't invent that till the next century. I know. So. For the Clark Gable simulation software, that means that they're going to watch their dates having sex with Clark Gable, is what I get from this. Kinky. 
I'm just saying. Well, you know what? Frankly, I don't give a damn. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I think you just got all the points for tonight. So. <laughs> you win. Um, okay. I prefer not to, Captain. I never seem to get on very well with non-Vulcan girls there. Last time I sat in the back row with a girl. Okay, wait a minute. So he gets on so well with Vulcan girls? Hello to like Pring. I don't know. So I, I got to get through this because there's no punctuation. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I slowly let my arm slip onto the back of her chair. I then moved it towards her. She cuddled into me. I put my arm around her. Then I pinched her lovingly on the shoulder with my hand. And all of a sudden, she passed out. <gasps> all of a sudden. For no known reason. Right. Okay, Spock. So what do you suggest we do after dinner? And don't say play it by ear. <laughs> so did he bang her? I don't. It doesn't say. Hmm. Suddenly, Scotty appeared on the bridge, and Jim said... <laughs> Scotty appeared on the bridge? Like, like that guy from The Children Shall Lead? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Scott, how many times have I told you to use the elevator like everyone else? <laughs> the internal transponder is only for emergencies. It's a transponder now. Okay, oh, so, oh, it's, it's a, a fast pass <laughs> to, get the, to get the Enterprise through without paying the tolls. Sorry, Captain, won't happen again, but Dr. McCoy asked me to test it in case you needed to use it tonight for a quick getaway. Now everybody knows about this. Anyhow, I'll look after the bridge now. You and Spock go and enjoy yourselves with those lasses. Oh, Spock, here's a bottle of real Scotch whiskey. I hear the blue-haired lass has relatives near Glasgow. Spock and Jim left to get ready for their date. <laughs> End of part one. <laughs> Should we keep going or what? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. I don't know about our listeners, but I'm on tenterhooks. I, I need a spill of beer for this. <laughs> chapter two, the double date. You know, I have to say, I, I love when chapters have titles. I really do, sincerely. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, we're, we're in the present tense, but don't worry. We go back to the past tense in a second. <laughs> Spock knocks on Kirk's door. Time travel. Are you ready, Captain? Out in a minute, Spock, but do us a favor. Don't call me Captain. Call me Jim. I am off duty now, and I would like to forget about work for a while. Okay, Captain, I will wait here for the next 45.6 seconds. The door opens, and Kirk, dressed in jeans and an I Love Free Space t-shirt, walks towards Spock and says, See, you made an effort and put on tomorrow's clean uniform. The two walk off down the corridor. Oh, this is like time travel whiplash here. <laughs> a few minutes later, they arrive outside the girls' room, and Kirk knocks on the door three times. The girls' room? Now, who's in there? Gidget and Annette? I don't know. I love the fact that he knocks on the door three times. I mean, was, was he doing, like, shaving a haircut or something? Yeah. Long pause. <laughs> the door opens. No, wait, wait. We're talking Bill Shatner here. The girls are already sitting at the table. They rise and levitate <laughs> and invite Spock and, and Kirk to join them. And levitating, so now they're all floating around. Ooh, this is they so fantastic. What a great date. Hello, Captain. Hello, Mr. Spock. My name is... Okay, I'm going to try and read this because it's a whole bunch of words smushed together. It's Papiketronivolcraniosa Smith. You're kidding. Volcran. I went to high school with a girl <laughs> named that. Wow. But my friends call me Bluey for short, said the blue-haired girl. Did they call your friend Bluey? No, but you know what? The first car I remember my family having was nicknamed Bluey. Really? Did you name cars? Not really, no. Aww. We called them whatever they were. Oh. 
We named cars. Oh, we didn't really. Except the, my, my Valiant. We called that one the Hush Puppy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's parked in my Friend of mine had a car we called the Oreo. Wow. We even wrote a song about it. <laughs> but I digress. It's those digressions that we will treasure. Uh, <laughs> hello, Captain. Hello, Mr. Spock. I am Electra Matinovus Jones, but you can call me Sparkle. <laughs> I think they're my little ponies, actually. <laughs> Sparkle Farkle. Yeah. Kirk did a couple of nice to meet you's and how are you phrases. Spock gave the Vulcan finger salute. <laughs> you know, some guy passed me on the expressway and I shot him such a Vulcan finger salute. And then the two officers sat at the table. So these chicks are not officers. <laughs> no, I guess not. I don't these know. are the ship's hookers. I was just going to say. Still it's not mind. a date when you pay them, boys. Uh, now, the best part about this next sentence is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is that it doesn't start with the word Spock. It starts with the word spark. <laughs> spark. Sparky? No, just spark. Okay. Spark opened the conversation with a classic. <clears throat> Not normal to see a girl with blue hair in this sector of the universe. <laughs> That's almost insulting. It is. No wonder he has no luck. <sighs> Well, actually, the color of my hair depends on the ship's position in space. A few months ago, when we were in the Alpha 5 quadrant, it was green. Oh, I remember you now. You were that purple-haired girl I met at the last Christmas party. I wondered where she had got to, said Kirk, with a bemused look on his face. Another girl from a Christmas party. He banged her and then forgot about her. And he's a Christian. Mm. Spock moved towards her, plucked a hair out of her head. Ow! pulled out an organic analyzer from his belt, did a couple of quick calculations and said, I think we will be calling you Orangina in a few hours. Oh, dear. So he's wearing like a tool belt? <sighs> he's like Batman. Is it dragging down you can see his butt crack? <laughs> he's Batman. Um, oh, dear. I hate being orange, and it's going to spoil our date, you see. I suffer from geographical hormonal syndrome caused by the cocktail of genes in my body. You know what? I get that. <laughs> Whenever I am near any of my in-laws, when I am in their geographical district... The cocktail of genes in your body... The hormonal imbalance rips a hole in the space-time continuum. That is so funny. And unfortunately, they have never, ever been sucked into it. (sighs) Well, maybe this story will help us. Okay. My Vulcan hormones are very active at the moment. Couldn't you order the ship to go round in circles for a few hours, Captain? (laughs) Why the hell not? Spock's eyes lit up. Ooh, he tapped in some more data into the analyzer, took a quick peep out the window, and then called the bridge. (laughs) God, you know, in all my years of watching Star Trek, I don't believe I've ever seen them look out the window. Does he open it and stick his head out, too? And asked Scotty to input the new coordinates into the navigation computer. He then bent over, ooh, and whispered into Kirk's ear, if my calculations are correct, her hair should reach the apex of blue just after coffee. What is the apex of blue? Sounds like a band, doesn't it? The apex of blue? Yeah. Or maybe the title of a, a, jazz a, band. a really angsty postmodernist novel, <gasps> The Apex of maybe Blue. Maybe that's the title of the poem that was written on the bathroom wall. <sighs> totally. I love that. The apex of blue. Kirk looked towards Sparkle and asked, how about... Wait, is Sparkle um, uh, Spock now, or is this No, I think she's actually Sparkle. Okay. Sparkle. Kirk looked towards Sparkle and asked, how about you, Sparkle? I hope you like humans. Are you human? You look human. (laughs) 
like a duck. Um, and it just kind of trails off. Um, or you could be a space donkey, but I'm not really that fussy, so. <laughs> if it begins with, do you like an answer? <laughs> the answer is, is yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, where the hell is What it? was the name of that donkey who was in all the movies with Donald O'Connor? Francis the Talking Mule? Francis, is that what this is going to turn into? Francis the Space Donkey. Okay. <laughs> I am not close, hu- close friend of Bill the Pony. Really? <laughs> I am not human, but I am humanoid, and nobody's complained so far, she replied, fluttering her long, dark eyelashes. Oh, so what, fl- what planet are you from, then? I was born on Earth and went to a girl's school in Surrey... <laughs> See, wait, wait, now we know the author went to a girl's school in Surrey. I think so. The funny thing is whenever I hear something like a girl's school in Surrey, I immediately, in my mind, I've turned this into a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> and the girls Like are, that hadn't happened yet? And the girls are actually like Michael Palin and Eric Idle in drag. <laughs> so that's who they're on a date with. Michael Palin and Eric Idle in drag. Okay, and, and is Spock being played by John Cleese? Please, 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 please. <laughs> And something very, very... And Kirk si- is being played by Graham Chapman. Please, 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 something please, Something very silly is about to happen. Yes, because nothing silly and has happened the, yet. the colonel is going to come in and stop it and say, this is far too silly. Okay. But my parents are from Matraglass, a planet very similar to Earth. I am exactly like a human except for one thing, but I don't like to talk about it on a first date. Anyhow, the author says, the meal went wonderfully. The food was great. Even Spock's wine was appreciated, although Bluey preferred Mr. Scott's Highland whiskey. Who wouldn't? After the meal, Spock and Kirk went off into the kitchen to do the washing up. (laughs) Oh, to date a man who does dishes. Really? Oh. You wash and I'll dry, hey, Captain. Don't be silly, Spock. Let's just use the atomic dishwasher and get out of here before Sparkle feel obliged to show me what the difference is between her and humans. Okay, there's so many things wrong with that, so let's let's sort of parse First, it. First, atomic dishwasher. Atomic dishwasher. Those want- dishes must be hella dirty. <laughs> I want an atomic dishwasher. Would you want to eat off plates that had been in an atomic dishwasher? Wouldn't they be re- radioactive I now? I suppose so, but I can never get my teacups clean in my dishwasher. Really? No. Maybe you just need atomic tea. Oh, or something. Or maybe just atomic soap. Okay. That would work. Better. Atomic pre-rinse. Yeah, that's it. Atomic jet dry. Okay. Um, also, that uh, Kirk does not want to bang this woman. No way. Even though her name is Bluey and Sparkle and she's being played by um, Michael Palin. <laughs> I mean, he's Kirk. He'll do a space donkey. <sighs> At that point, Sparkle walks into the kitchen and says, Hey, boys. <laughs> She's a hooker. Would you two like to go for... She's so hooker. Wait, wait, no. She says, hey, boys, are we going to fuck a what? (laughs) Hey, boys, would you two like to go for a walk? I hear the hologram room is free at the moment. Before Kirk could think of an excuse, Spock had whisked Bluey out the door and was halfway down the corridor leading to the hologram room. Just leaves you and me then. Hey, Captain Baby. Oh, yes, so it does. (laughs) This is so Monty Python. Oh, yes. So it does. does. Are you a goer then? (laughs) I feel all tired at the moment. I think I will change my mind and stay in after all. Why don't you join me on the sofa, Captain? I bet you're just bursting to find out all about me. Bursting, bursting. Kirk tried his best to convince her that the world or even the universe may need him at any moment. But in the end, he was forced to sit on the sofa next to Sparkle. Okay, is this going into that horrible story I wrote that starts out with, oh shit, now I'll have to fuck her? 
they chatted for a while about the weather. <laughs> the space <laughs> weather. The space weather. And Kirk, excuse me, Kirk told her about the worlds he had visited and the aliens that he had met. Oh, said Sparkle, I bet you haven't met any like me before, hey. She slowly lifted up her blouse, now it's getting good, to reveal her belly button. <laughs> you think so? And pointed to what seemed like a badly drawn tattoo. Oh, that's very nice. Were you in the Navy then? <laughs> It is Graham Chapman. <laughs> it's not a tattoo, silly. Look closer. Kirk moved his head closer. He could see small flashing lights twinkling. Okay, she's one of the androids from the Harry Mud Planet. <laughs> but with the lights, remember Norman? He had the yeah, panel with yeah, the lights and everything. Yeah, and, and Kirk's getting suckered in again. Yeah, yeah. Sparkle clapped her hands and the lights started to get bigger and brighter. All of a sudden, Kirk was in a trance. So she's got an internal clap on, clap off the clapper? Yes. yes. Wow, this is one fancy alien. The door opened, and Spock walked in looking a little flustered. Not the door to her stomach. No. Because if Spock came out of that door, I'd be freaked out. (gasps) Captain, the Federation has communicated alien ships about to attack the Earth, and even though we are light years away, we are still the closest ship to them. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) The captain didn't answer, so Spock slapped him a few times across the face. And he liked it. And quickly pulled down Sparkle's blouse to conceal her twinkling belly button. And before she could say anything, he gave her a shoulder pinch and dimmed her lights. That's a great metaphor. <laughs> he dimmed her lights. I'm going to say that the next time I punch somebody in the mouth. Now you got a neck pinch him. Dim your lights. <laughs> Sorry, Spock. What did you say? We got to save the Earth again, Captain. <laughs> now he's a Cockney grandchildman. <laughs> we got to save the Earth again, Captain. <laughs> Wait, no, the, uh, Spock is being played by... Uh, oh, um, John Cleese? John Cleese. Oh, that doesn't work then, because Cleese doesn't really do a cockney. Oh, accent. okay. Well, they're switching roles. Okay. Since neither of them has been in character up till this point, why should it stop uh, it them? Just, they're just playing now. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go. By the way, how did it go with Louie? Well, everything was going great. Her hair had turned so blue, it was nearly pornographic. But then I got carried away, squeezed her shoulder... And she passed out on me. So was she violating the blue laws? Oh, oh, oh you're just full of them tonight, aren't I you? I really am. Woo. Suddenly. It's the beer slushy. Suddenly. The ship rocked from side to side. All the lights. <laughs> okay, <laughs> listeners, you have to know that we rocked from side to side, but we did it wrong. <laughs> All of the lights started to flash. The warp drive made a slow whining noise, and whining is spelled without the H, so I'm assuming they're brewing something down Oh, there. right. That's what's better than that crap Spock had. <laughs> and after a few more seconds, the ship came to a complete stop. <laughs> And all the lights went out. <gasps> Did Spock neck pinch the ship and dim its lights? Next chapter. <gasps> How Bluey's geographical hair and Sparkle's fairy lights help save the day. They're fairy lights. See, when a story ends like and all the lights went out, I really expected to conclude with, and there on the handle was a hook. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm holding out for it, and then they died. Oh, and then they blew up and died. That okay, would be good. dear listeners, we have, to, we have to break bad news to you. There is no more. There is no more. Despite the promise that all would be revealed about geographical hair and sparkling fairy lights, we don't know what happened. There's no more. There's no more. So I suppose we can do a couple things. We can wait to see if there's any more posted. But I really like the idea of our listeners sending in the conclusion to this story. Yes. Can you finish this story? Can you finish this story? That is a great project. 
In in the style in which it's written. Of course. So write as badly as you can. And make it Monty Python-esque. Don't use any punctuation. <laughs> Misspellings abound. Uh, and, and, you know, what happens with the geographical hair? And, and the and this very sparkles. And, and more important, does Kirk get some? And more important, why doesn't he want some? Maybe he's not really Kirk. Maybe he's an imposter. Peep Kirk. Bizarro Kirk. <gasps> Bizarro Peep Kirk. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so you tell us. Yeah. Because, you know, we're professional writers now. We can't <laughs> sully ourselves with writing a conclusion to this crapola. Space uh, crapola. Space crapola. So um, you should all drink your space beer slushies and start typing on your space keyboards mm-hmm. and let us know what happened. Tell us how the story ends. And I think that's a great way to wrap this up. I think so. So we'll Have at it. Go to it. Get to work. We're going to leave you on that cliffhanger, and we'll be back next time with um, more video reviews and even more stuff about Bill. And hopefully the end of the story. Yeah.